Media Podcast. What's your narrative? Fuck the, what the fuck? Hey, I know th- this is our theme, dog. We have been doing this, and I know that we gotta go straight into our double features, right? Leaf Lodges asks, dog, what's your thoughts on the guy in the airplane telling the baby to shut up? He said that he likes <laughs> I am for that. Bro, we, bro, we feel like, dog, thanks, love Social pressure can be felt by infants. <laughs> They should be publicly shamed. Yes. No. Damn right. I think, it was a month, I think it was a month ago that we was talking about how dudes uh, called a little baby a little fucker. Kid was only two years old. <laughs> 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 like, so fuck, he's a little badass now. He's not a fucker. He's a mother sucker. Yeah, he's a... No, bro. This dude, man, I know the dude that was saying, hey, he called him a little fucker. We, go back to the... I want to say it was the episode that we did Bullet Train on. That, and that we was talking about, like, yeah, call this motherfucker. <laughs> call the little kid a little, uh, little fucker. Uh, but, yeah. Um, as far as that situation, I thought that shit was wild. I thought that shit was so fucking wild. I thoroughly chuckled at it because he was like, he's yelling too. He's blurred again for yelling. Damn right. He's yelling too. Don't tell me just like how the fuck I'm yelling. Look, uh, y'all parents, especially the the parents of these young children, y'all want to act like the world got to stop and pause for you. No. Them your kids, you chose to have them. They can be bad on your watch. When they in public, hey, get these little motherfuckers to behave. Because damn it, we on the plane. I'm trying to get to where I'm getting to. I don't need to hear your little, little junior son of a bitch just out there complaining and crying and whining. No. Get to, give them a sucker. Give them something to shut up while we on this flight. My God, little junior. I said what I said. Duh, I'm screaming. Yeah, that's the day. He was. He was he was thoroughly screaming, dog. He was letting everybody fucking know what the hell was going on. He was bruh, he was not handling it at, well at all. Yo, history, good luck ahead. Man, I appreciate it, man. I've been working hard on these locks. I'm about to be going on a year with these locks. And yeah. Um this is a fucking task. But yeah, bro, the baby was crying and yelling at a lot of people, man. It, that was fucking wild. Um, JT, when is your when is your situation that you ever had where you told the kid, shut the fuck up because he cried too much? Oh my God. So listen, <laughs> y'all, as, as many of you know, I used to work retail. Uh-huh. And during my times of retail, I, I found... Children just made noise. Yes. I tell you, like, yeah, they would just be there, ah, ah, and they would just cry. And so, like, back when I worked at the phone store, it was the worst. Yes. Because the parent basically pushed their kid up to the, to the friggin', we had like these tall desks that didn't make no sense. Correct. You know, very lean onable height. Uh, but they would push the kid up and stand on the other side of this thing when we on the computer looking at their account. And I can't tell you how many times I just looked at the kid, like, oh, the kid sounded like it's crying. I look at them, like, hold up. 
your eyes are bone dry. <laughs> you just making the sounds. And so after I started seeing this, I was like, all right, so kids about two, about two in age, they would just sit there, ah, ah, ah. And if you look at them, you could just tell that they fake it. But they sound convincing if you're not paying attention. But since I'm sitting there staring the kid in the face, I'm like, hey, baby, be quiet. I, I see that. You ain't even got a crocodile tear. You ain't fooling nobody or nothing. Be quiet. I'm trying to do some business with your mom and your daddy. Uh, I have absolutely told a child, told a, 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 bit, a baby, an infant, a toddler to be quiet. Absolutely. It feels like this podcast is unsympathetic to kids be like kids. <laughs> We've done this on multiple occasions. Kids need to shut up around your people. Huh? Be a kid around your people, not in public. We ain't got time for that. <laughs> I wonder what to do that. I didn't get to enjoy the fruits of making a child. I don't have to deal with the consequences of the child being unruly in public. Get your, your child choice. to behave. How you, how you gonna tell the kids shut the fuck up, dog? At one years old, two years old, that's this not I right. Had a parent you cannot, be ready to throw hands. You cannot do that, bro. You cannot. You cannot yeah, negotiate you can't with two year olds. That's the problem. So I'm trying to get you to understand. Oh. You can and it works. Oh He's my a God. baby. He's supposed to be Shut up. Let him do that on your time. Not not Only one third nah, of this man. podcast has uh, has kids. And I can definitely tell you that shit does not work that easy. <laughs> that was your choice between yes. you and your, I'm sure, lovely wife. <laughs> but it ain't on us, the public. To have to deal with your kids being unruly, you can you can, they, you, can you can show some. If they say it takes a village, that means that everybody gonna have something to say about you raising that kid. Fair so enough. you know, Fair <laughs> if enough. you bring your kid out in public, then your kid should get talked about. So you are aware of what your kid is doing. So I swear, if you listen to some parents, they'd be like, "Ah, oh, he's just a little kid. It don't matter." When he's like actively doing some dumb shit, he's like you know beating another child. Oh, he's just a little kid. He's oh, just man. a kid. You know, he climbed with matches. stuff that oh, you know is going to fall over. Yeah. He's just a little kid. Now you got to do your job. The little kid is going to do whatever it wants, and you got to pump the brakes on that itch. And so yeah. if you go, if you bring your kid out in, in public and you don't know how to pump your kid's brakes and tell you to bring your behind over here, stay next to me, not, not go nowhere, you grab this hand, you don't let go. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, it, it's a lost art. Oh, man, history, right. uh, history. How, how close in proximity your kids got to stay when y'all go to the grocery store? They have to stay aren't in proximity because like, uh, ten and aren't your kids? My, in like my the, kids, the about, my son is actually about to be thirteen, and my daughter is eleven. But oh, my kids, fine, my man. kids have to be in proximity, dog, because like Michigan is like one of the top places for like sex trafficking. <laughs> so you have to fucking, you mean Warren Sapp got arrested for being up here with some, with some wild ass shit. Uh, so nah, I tell, I tell my kids to stay Wait, close. what? Warren Sapp, he, he got tra- trouble with, um, for like soliciting prostitutes and shit like that. And that was like when he was yeah, up here. Yeah, that I heard. I, I didn't know it was involving sex trafficking. I didn't know well, prostitution, was like, that. Prostitution, like certain thing. parts of prostitution, like they, that that's up here in Michigan is sex trafficking. Yeah. The aspect that they're talking about, it was, it definitely was on some Rob Craft shit almost. So with that, man, I, I have not thoroughly done my due diligence <laughs> by introducing the podcast the way it's supposed to be. Ladies and gentlemen, and people of all ages, people who have visual disabilities but still see shit for what it is, I want to introduce you to the podcast that is your motivation and your your guidance for when you're having a hard-ass week 
and you say, you know what, man, what's on TV on Friday? Because I don't want to deal with all the rest of the club and shit. Welcome to the Historical Voices for the, uh, from the East Side. My name is Hester Williams. If you look at my right side on my screen, you actually got my co-host, Jamel, a.k.a. the East Side Review, Watson. <laughs> That's my baby. Give him a clap. Now, right there below, uh, we have our actual motivational speaker right there, our voice of reason, our actual vocal coach right over there. Right down there, his name is Jonathan, a.k.a. say the whole name, JT, The Voice. <laughs> so, with that, man, uh, we have a lot of fucking podcasts today. We have a lot of podcasts today. Usually we do a I Say What I Said at the very beginning, but this week we're going to be a little bit different, man. We're going to actually do... A double feature, because last week we didn't get to do a movie last week. Uh, JT was out for sick, but his movie was What's Love Got to Do With It? So, Jamel, <laughs> Blind Toes said, good to us, no, avoid Michigan. Blind Toes, avoid Michigan no matter what, dog. Just just avoid Michigan. <laughs> people get stuck here for the fresh water. Yeah, that's all people do. Yeah, people get stuck for the fresh water. That's, that's about it. Uh, but, uh, Jamel, man, what is our movie this week, bro? What is, what's our first East for our review? First movie this week is, or was, chosen by JT, for our month of bad romance movies, it is the 1993 biographical film, a biopic of the one and only Miss Tina Turner. It is What's Love Got to Do With It? It's based on her autobiography from 1986, I, Tina. It stars Angela Bassett as Tina Turner. Lawrence Fishburne has, as Ike Turner. Uh, there are. This is a pretty uh, stat cast. We got uh, Vanessa Bell Calloway. We got Shane McBride. We got uh, the one and only the Black Mother of Hollywood, Miss Jennifer Lewis. Um, a lot of uh, and even yeah, she she's the Black Mother of Hollywood. She was Tupac Mama. She was. She's been a bunch of people Mama. Um, a lot of a lot of all stars in this movie. Ah man, let's. Let's dive into it just with a quick question. Um, but well, before, we, before, before, before we go, because I know we're going to dive into it, I just thought about this before. Hey, this movie has a lot of domestic violence. So I do want to make yeah. sure that we actually encourage that. Um, if you know anybody that actually needs help with actual domestic violence, I'm actually putting that number right inside of there. There's an actual domestic violence hotline. And also, if you're interested in texting as well, um, all you got to do is text START. And then you do 8878. So again, you text start and to the uh, to 8878. So with that, um, I would like to put that out there. That's the actual national domestic violence hotline. So make sure you check, uh, check that out as well. If you are know somebody or yourself is personally going through domestic violence as well. So we'll go ahead. Continue what you were saying, uh, Jamel. Let's kick things off and let's just dive right into the movie. Whew. Uh, Anime Bullock's mama, right out the gate, coming in for being a kind of a trash ass mama. Jennifer Lewis just abandoned her child, but it also kicks off with what you just said some domestic violence. So what did y'all think of how the film was initially set up with um, the contrast of Tina's mom, or should I say, uh, at this point, Anna Mae's mama leaving and leaving her with her grandma? And how do you feel that they actually uh, got the movie set up and started off? JT, we'll kick things off with you. 
so I was remembering, you know, a movie like, say, The Color Purple, uh, where we stayed with the, the the younger versions of main characters for a while. This movie, we got Angela Bassett six minutes in. So that's all the intro, you know, and they had a long, drawn-out intro, choir singing in church. And all we really got out of that first scene is Tina likes to sing, or Allie Mae likes to sing. That's pretty much all it was building up to. She got kicked out of the church for trying to sing, doing the most. Mm-hmm. Oh no! And then she's walking home, and then she finds she walks home to find her mama leaving and taking her older sister. Yeah. And then that's the last we see of her. The next time we see her, she is coming off of a bus. A grown woman is Angela Bassett. So I thought that was a pretty rough transition. Because yeah. they really didn't tell me nothing about how she was raised. What did she do? Was she just singing out there in the field? She came home to a, a literally a broken <laughs> house. The place was in complete disarray. She just sat down in a in a dirty room. <laughs> you know, like that was cool. Yeah. And then, you know, the next thing we see her, she in the big bustling city of St. Louis. Yeah, I really would have liked a little bit more background. You know what I'm saying? And so as far as Tina, like, Tina, hey, what what, you ain't tell us, Tina? Huh? What happened during your childhood? We'll we'll get to that in a moment. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit with uh, some of the, let's just say, inaccuracies. Yeah, that's the act. That's the. Why why don't we just get to it now? No, yeah, let's let's wait. Let's wait. Let's build. Let's build things. uh, Inaccuracy happens like within like, uh, in like 30, less than 30 minutes of the film, film, but we are going to. We're good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Less than 30 minutes. Less than 30 minutes in the movie. It was inaccurate. What's the stuff that happened at the beginning? In fact, uh, since you were like her childhood isn't touched on, the song that Ike Turner singing when they're introduced. It's not um, a song. Go ahead. Ike Turner didn't sing. Now, Ike Turner did write the song. It is uh, Rocket 88. The song is credited as uh, it was done and released under the title of Jack Brinston and his Delta Cats. Mm-hmm. That was really just Ike Turner's band, uh, The Kings of Rhythm. And Jack Brinston was a vocalist, a saxophonist and a vocalist for the band. Rocket 88 is actually one of the more important songs in music history because it's considered among the very first or even the first rock and roll songs. Yes. So even if like just the abuse and the allegations, everything we kind of need to recognize Ike Turner's contributions to the early history of rock and roll. One of the most important uh, and formative musical genres of all time. Ike Turner is with Chuck Berry, with Lil Richard, with uh, Muddy Waters. He's up there with being one of the more important people. So yeah, uh, this is a light inact. This is this is just a light inaccuracy. This is this ain't gonna hurt nobody. Uh, we we can show Ike Turner singing singing. This this ain't some other stuff. Uh, a little more dangerous. Now, uh, history since we touching on Ike Turner, let's get into some of the performances because I think uh, as we go along, we'll we'll discuss more aspects of the film. Let's talk about the homie Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, I think he digivolved from color purple in the here and he finally became he finally became Larry. He went from Larry to Lawrence for this movie. Um, what do you think of Lawrence Fishburne's uh, early uh, version one of, of Ike in the uh, earlier parts of this movie? What y'all think of? Talking about, let's kick off talking about like laughing at the aspect of pain. That is, bruh, the movie not only showed you somebody get beat, but it also beat the fuck out of you with all of this bad, like, (laughs) 
So I love the fact that you see him like do become like a, a master version of his original self at the juke joints in the hole on the wall in color purple. And then because like color purple was only what, like two or three years after this movie, right? That's it. It, it was before. not that long. Like, it was, Color Purple was before it was uh, before this. Color yeah. Purple was, was uh, eighty. Was I thought uh, it was eighty? I mean, we've got the Google machine, so I can look that up right here. Uh, <laughs> I thought it, it was, was yeah, it was late eighties. Nineteen eighty five. Oh shit! Yeah, it was almost a decade between eighty five. Nineteen eighty five was uh, Color Purple. God damn! Wait, How did I forget I, yeah, that? what's love got to do with it? Not nineteen eighty five. I thought it was ninety three. Nineteen ninety three. I'm gonna yeah. say so 85 is it. I said almost a decade. Oh, not I thought you said it was a decade. I'm gonna say no. He left enough gray area for us not to worry about that. But look, the but performances, yeah. we gotta talk about 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 Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne, he I, I don't think that what you was talking about, Jamel, his his actual contributions to music were really touched on. All I got out of the screenplay was every time he opens his mouth and lies to somebody, something happens. So he got to pretty much go lie, lie around for anything yeah. to, to, to happen in the whole movie. And the whole movie was like that. The well, entire film. Well, and I'll get to the reason why later. Well, that's the thing that it kind of sucked is because the fact that they it, it, the movie itself <laughs> was making him be this... Um, at, like this explosive machine every time you looked at it. Now, granted, he was like that apparently in life. But the problem is the fact of like the movie hung on it. And this movie is um, very much so is torture porn. This movie is definitely torture porn. We are watching this movie just to see the fucking misfortune of a person and throughout this whole time. And that was actually a part. And uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more later. There is a scene inside of this that like completely is fabricated, but it was supposed to be leading to uh, anime. Actually, I mean, Annabelle, um, who was actually it's anime. Anime, we, anime, we, bo, but he called it Annabelle. Anime Bullock. Oh, uh, he'll call it Annabelle. An um, so anime, like he, it almost led to her committing suicide at the time. Or Tina Turner, that's her name. So um, I wish that you would have seen that because of the fact that the small little lie, just like that, the Rocket eighty eight, like you were talking about, Jamal and JT. It discred, uh, if you would have just had that one little part, you probably would have kind of looked at him a little bit differently. Like, oh, shit, this is the king. This is a person who could be considered the father of rock and roll doing this at a person at a time, a point in time. So this probably would have made it uh, made it look a little bit different. But um, I want to say thoroughly, though, Lawrence Fishburne did not want to do this role, but he looked like he wanted to be there. Only just because the fact of like Angela Bassett was there. It, do y'all feel the same way? He actually said that. Like in like, we might as well get into a little bit of the the cast and stuff. Um, fun fact: I just found out that Charlie Murphy was also up for. Correct. Could have been. I holy shit! Oh my god! I want that. Oh, now. that would have been amazing. I want yeah, that now, Like I can't. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking all in that another damn universe. Shit. Go over there, sing the song like I told you. He was offered the role of Ike Turner five times and turned it down each time. And he said he honestly didn't like how Ike Turner was just the villain or the way that he was behaving. It's just like, yeah, there's no real explanation as to why he's such a bastard. And he even said, like, some changes help. They changed the script 
a little bit, not enough, but it was the change to the script, and then it was Angela Bassett being cast as Tina. That flipped him, and he's like, okay, I'll do the role. But yeah, it was, they, he was the choice, and to me, it's like, it's amazing. Like, I... I have no recollection. I have to literally look up pictures of what Ike Turner actually looked like because every time I think of Ike Turner, I just <laughs> see Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. Like that's how tied to this role he was for a long time. Like this was this was his Mister in Color Purple. It was just like people was like black women was probably giving him something like he ain't shit. Yeah. It's just like oh, I'm, then he had to be Morpheus before he could finally be redeemed, and uh, Danny Glover had to be uh, Murtaugh in uh, *Lethal Weapon* before he could finally at least be a little bit like at least not get them looks no more. But oh, wouldn't, wouldn't you uh, almost argue that Lawrence Fishburne kind of falls into that category because didn't he have issues with domestic violence? And then also on top of that. He kind of looked like he raised his daughter to do porn. <laughs> so, you mean, that's a whole fucking thing that's happening right now. But it ain't our place to judge. I'm not judging, I'm but I'm just saying that, like, no, you mean, just suggesting. I'm just saying it's, it's kind of hard but not to look Jamel at that dude and be saying, like that. It's what like, Jamel is saying yeah. is these dudes were such bastards, such a-holes, such reprehensible characters that they had to they wash the audience's mind uh-huh. of that previous character. Okay. I tell you what, I watched a movie called uh, Megiddo one time, mm-hmm. right? It was a Christian production and they had Michael York uh, in there and um, Michael York played the Antichrist, y'all. Mm-hmm. And then after I watched that movie, like late, later that summer, I watched Austin Powers for the first time. Okay. And who's Austin Powers' boss? Michael York. Mm-hmm. And so the whole time I'm sitting here like, dog, he's the Antichrist. Run, Austin, run. Run. You got to move, dog. Move. You can't stay there. You're not safe. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it just never came. He was always a good dude. But I had oh, to wash. Uh, I had to wash my mind of that of his great performance as the friggin' Antichrist in order to accept this new character as Austin Powers' manager. Okay, so, so 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 this is exactly what Lawrence Fishburne had to do in the minds of yes, I agree, Jamel, because you know black women was over there like mm, you woman beta. You that was a movie, male. <laughs> I'm, be, I'm gonna be honest, oh. Danny Glove. It took a while for me with uh with with Mist and, and Color Purple. I'm it just, took a while. I'm just gonna say what? that we we acting like there's not a dude like Terrence Howard that was out there with issues of this Mine. as well. So <laughs> and sometimes art imitated like in real life as well in that in that particular case. Listen, listen so, history. Sometimes you just they, gotta slap somebody. That is part of life that I that people are just really scared of. Okay. No. Sometimes no. you gotta slap people on the hand. Sometimes you gotta slap on the arm. You know, but some people talk and they ask, they they cry out for you to smack them in the face. You're not people supposed to smack anybody. Do that. Why Which are you one encouraging you that? <laughs> You're not supposed to encourage that. Some no, some people some are, people are smackable. Are some people are that doesn't mean that you do it, though. That doesn't mean that you do that. It, it, it is in this world, and I remind everybody of their right to do it one time. <laughs> no, don't do none of that. Don't let me, encourage let me pose that. A situ- let me pose a question. Okay, uh, go for, pose whatever question. It's for no. a person who is deserving of a slapping. Okay. Uh, 
George Zimmerman, the person who killed Trayvon Martin, mm-hmm. would you not say that he is worthy of a slapping? No, 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 no. You got to use it in the context <laughs> of a particular situation where this person is not doing something actively to fucking kill somebody. So let's do it in a let's do it in a situation like Ike Turner. He still, got, Turner. That, he still got the body though. So I'm I'm just saying you you That's just a defensible situation. Both. That's a you different would, type of situation. That's a different type of situation. That's a, that's a defense situation. Look, they done told Allie Mae you're going to end up dead if you stay with him. And what did she do? She went and got slapped up. And the next time they saw each other, she was like, mm, girl, I got a couch. Let me teach you some Buddhist chants. So actually, which is actually funny because I Turner did make a quote, which I thought this would be better in the movie. He said, don't you think it's also part of her fault that she decided to stay with me, even though she knew that I was beating on her? That kind of is... That, that, that kind that of, of victim blaming. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. We can't fucking say the same thing when it comes to situations. The person that knows the fuck out you didn't just walk no away mistake. from that person. Let's make no mistake. You don't this, have to put your hands on This situation I'm not was that abuse. abuse is okay. No, this situation was definitely abuse. That's yeah. not what we're going for. What I'm saying is some people run their mouth, slap them across the face one time, see what happens. That's all I'm saying. It, oh, God. Not everybody's Chris not Rock. And just like no, <laughs> and, and, and no, not the fight yeah, in front of white Smith folks. Got smacked in the face a little bit more. Do you think he would have been so quick to put hands on somebody else? No. But nobody gonna smack Will Smith in the face. He Will Smith. Hmm. But just, what would his, I, I would his mama do it? You damn right. Mama smacked him across. Um, what you hit that boy for, Chris Rock? Uh, Fifty some year old man. What you hit that boy for? That scrawny old, that scrawny young fifty year old boy. <laughs> like, what, God damn. In, order, in order to walk around and like have harmony with people, you got to understand that getting smacked in the mouth might be a possibility. So maybe you should watch it. I think we should not. We should not. Again, again, this does not. That. This does not apply for situations of actual abuse. I'm talking about generally in society for babies and such. No, Speaking we don't of, smack on babies. Uh, man, move on to the fucking movie, bro. Because this man is encouraging fucking bad shit. Or, what look, is your, look, this is hey, not your hey, voice hey, of reason. Hey, hey. Even Will Smith said to his baby, I'll touch your butt when you get out of line. Okay? And you see what happens to You see what, what his son and his daughter doing right now. Just saying. His wife got entangled. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, back exactly. to I'm the movie. Say, play- Angela Bassett, <laughs> um, how do y'all feel about Angela Bassett's performance as Tina throughout the movie? Uh, Angela Bassett, of course, looks damn near identical today as she did back in 1993. Did, did in my opinion, a great job. Um, what do y'all think? Let, let's get into some of the performances of the movie. Can we uh, talk about the think? performances of Angela Bassett's triceps in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> they, I, this is Black Panther 1.0. That's all I'm saying. This is where they got the idea from it. She was a member of the door. She was looking by the end of that movie. Even the backup dancers was was sitting the weights, man. I tell you, you can tell what they shot later because Angela Bassett show up over here like she been hanging out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, um, I wasn't in favor completely of it. I do admire Angela Bassett because you can see that she really put everything into the role, except for her singing. Um, Lawrence Fishburne differently he did actually sing his roles whereas Angela Bassett didn't kudos to I will say this though uh, the, the film itself made me fall in love with Tina Turner music again but at the same token yeah that, I, I will say that that role would not be nearly as good as it is if it wasn't for Tina Turner helping Angela Bassett become 
Tina Turner she, for this role. I mean, so she did a really good we job. We don't know. We don't know if Angela can sing or not. She said that like, she can't sing. She said she's she not sang, She sang a little bit in in part Lip of those. Singing, you can hear I, some of them songs when it's singing on. No, it's the, it's the Tina Turner. Singing singing. Huh? I'm I'm fine with. I have zero issue with anybody lip syncing something. If you're doing a live performance at a concert, don't be lip syncing. But if it's in a situation like this for a movie and you know you can't sing. Um, I'm, I'm did the same the, thing when he was when he was being uh queen dude, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so but this make is, it look like you're singing, it didn't no, look it, like she it, was singing. It is, it, she did, she did pat it. Tina Turner, Tina Turner had such a unique voice, uh, that it's very difficult to imitate that. And so Angela Bassett said she would have liked to do it, but it would have took her a long time to be able to sing in, in that capacity. Yeah. And so they were just like, you know what, we're just gonna go ahead and just we're just gonna play Tina stuff. Yeah, and, you so know, the, it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said again, you I mean that's where I'd say that like I'm okay with it. I just don't feel like that part, the lip syncing part of it, was not well done, act out. I would say that she did not do well when yeah. it came to those parts. As far as that's acting, the other little, stuff, it was a little over over lip dubbed. And yeah, yeah, you can see that. Yeah, I want to say yeah, that that's perfectly what Jamel Jamel was mouthing. What it was, it, that's the perfect example where it almost felt like he was watching these extra. old. Yeah, the extra stuff with her mouth, but it almost came off as she was doing like these old Japanese films, like you know what I'm talking about. So it did, it felt like that. Oh, not no. It was passable if you didn't, if you you know you kind of get lost in the music a little bit. But if you're looking at the screen, it was pretty hard not yeah, to not it, to. It was. It was definitely. Was right, was. Yeah. I want to say. I want to say it was definitely. Um, Proud Mary was the one that that definitely kind of stood out. Yeah. The performance at Palmer. You can see that the dancing was what saved it, but you could definitely see when she was went to go sing the part itself, it was kind of like uh, that is something that we gotta re- we have to recognize. The dancing in this movie was they were on point with this. In yes. fact, it won uh, an American choreography award. There is an award for everything for outstanding achievement in a feature film for the choreography of the movie. That was where the voice acting may have been lack the voice movement of Tina may have been lacking. The the uh the dancing was what really did save that. So uh some of the other actresses who were up for this role are uh we had Halle Berry, she was up for it, Robin Givens, Pam Greer, Whitney Houston, Janet Jackson and Vanessa L. Williams. That's the lighter skin of the two Vanessa Williams that we had. <laughs> we had two black. We had two Vanessa Williams in black culture, like, and we, <laughs> you know what? We didn't get them confused. It's just Vanessa Williams. Which one? You know the one. But anyway, uh, Jennifer Lewis, who played uh, Delma, <laughs> played Delma Bullock in the movie, was had auditioned. Uh, she auditioned for Tina, and she was cast as the mama instead. Even though her and Angela Bassett are only one year apart, and she's only one year older than her, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was it was a, a pretty like hefty choice. Whitney Houston was like she was offered the role because hey she can actually sing as well she was probably like, gonna sing it that would have been interesting yeah oh. but that's the thing she was pregnant so no. yeah bobby brown blame blame bobby brown for that God damn. um if so now um of those actresses who besides whitney who would y'all think would have done a good job as tina Because if we could talk about 1995 uh, Holly Berry, we're talking about Holly Berry. 93. 
1993. So we're coming off of like um, Boomerang is supposed to be coming out uh, soon after this. And um, shit, she just did uh, Sugar. was that one that Boomerang she did? Boomerang was the yep. Boomerang was the first big movie that she did. It was in 1992. Two, yep. uh, it was Jungle Fever, Strictly Business, The Last Boy Scout, and then Boomerang. I like. I want to like say Pam Greer. That's I, all I want to say. I like Pam. I'm about to say Pam Greer. It could be good. Can Pam? That yeah. I think Pam Greer, she would have fit. I think, yeah, she would have fit. Be good. Yeah. I think Janet would have. I think Janet would have fit too. Janet. Um, <laughs> I don't know about the singing, the singing part. Might sings. not have been as strong. She said something like this. Williams also would have did it. Here's here's the thing though. When when Angela Bassett started sporting these these guns, I was sitting in my mind like watching the movie. Like, all right, so Tina gonna fight back, right? Because she's so swollen now, right? Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of what I was waiting for. And then it was That's just that actually... one time she kicked like in the dick with her heel. And that was about it. But like, it wasn't really clear. The movie didn't make clear like what their day to day life was. And I don't think that any change of actress is going to make that more apparent. You know what I'm saying? Because I think it's too drastic of a change to the script. Yeah. That's actually well, something that Tina Turner has talked about over the years. Yes. Um, she actually said that she wished the film didn't portray her as a victim. She said that she was not a victim. And when she spoke to Oprah back in 2018, she actually said that she had only recently, like around that time, had watched the movie because she was like, oh, they changed a lot. And, you know, um, guess what major studio was uh in the back, Harvey Weinstein. No, nope, nope. it was a. This is from Touchstone Pictures, which is a subsidiary of Disney. So, of course, they Disney, Disney at it again, changing some history shit. That's, yeah, that's they, some, they 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 had her face they touch do. some stone a whole lot in that well, movie. That was yeah. foul. Well, I I want to ask you this question, man, because I, I did write this down when I was watching this thing. Is that do you think that this movie would have been different though if like this was an R. Kelly and a uh, Aaliyah film? Well, it wouldn't be made. Why? I think if you you a documentary about R. Kelly and Aaliyah like this, a movie make, like this, do you think that this movie, movie? I don't one. I don't think anybody would want to see it or be in it because it it. It is an ugly. It's way too ugly. That's the, and it's abuse of a child. Like that's where it's like, yeah, these are since they're adults. It's maybe a little bit more acceptable, which is fucked up. What's happening? But I think if we're talking about strictly seeing a grown dude hump on a child, mm, nah. I mean, I mean, I say I, Monique just won like. Best actress for going precious. <laughs> for precious. So. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was damn near 10 years ago. I'm just saying, though, it still happened. Damn near 20 it, years ago. That was precious. That was, I mean, if we get into though. the history. What was precious? Yeah. 06? 06 or 09? Oh, like, oh, That's like 15 years like ago, that. man. Um, so you said yeah. you were right damn near 20 years ago. History. You, you're not going to be a. You, you are not. What's. First off. What studio, what major studio is going to be like, let's do the R. Kelly biopic. Uh, not while he alive. 
because there's a chance that people that he could get money. I mean, they did this and movie while Tina Turner and Ike Turner was alive. Ike had wrote a fucking whole book talking about taking it back his life. So I mean, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people can take to fruition. If we wanted to like be assholes about this, right? Michael Jackson estate had a uh, a agreement with HBO. <laughs> And uh, who else it was? HBO and AT&T, that they would not use, utilize any of his imagery or any of his comment, uh, like concerts for anything else if it wasn't for their permission. And they wound up using a lot of his concerts and a lot of his imagery for that fucking documentary where the two men have finally came out about how he had sexually assaulted them. That's that docu-series. So people can be fucked up and make some shit that just mean to be should make some shit. <clears throat> So you mean, and Aaliyah did have a docu movie, whatever biopic, and on Lifetime. Oh, the Wendy Williams produced by Wendy Williams. Jesus, <laughs> yeah. that shit was that shit was awful. So, but that's <laughs> possible. You, we could not. I I don't think we're gonna get a, a an R. Kelly Aaliyah movie. Why are we talking about that? That's not the movie. Well, that's, I'm asking. That's the question. The host of the show brought it up. History I'm asking the question, up. though. I'm asking the question because of the fact that. Well, no, because I'm yeah, history was this derived from. Well, the substance is derived from because of the fact that this is a film that basically is talking about this particular like topic, but it does sometimes come off as with Tina Turner and I Turner. Like, obviously, it looks like we can make jokes about eat the cake eyed anime. People make that joke. Tyler Perry made that fucking joke for a long time. Eat the cake, anime, you know, or I sat in that jail and made that those types of jokes. But when you talk about a serious issue like R. Kelly and Aaliyah, where that is kind of like we can kind of put some more of our liberties, liberties to this actual story. Um, would somebody want to see this film in the same kind of light and also be able to actually kind of remember this movie in the same kind of light? Does that make sense? You just staring off into the distance. I must be freezing. That was a question. Jamel. <laughs> yeah, there. That was a I question. Said, I, no, I said I don't think it's gonna happen. I yeah, don't that's think a, it that's the only reason why I'm asking, because it's two it's two situations about like domestic violence. So like would one somebody want to see this and versus other one? That, I think that's the thing. Adult violence, people are cool with. Child sexual violence, you, you're you not going to be able to convince people to see a, a dramatic movie about that. Although, although we we do keep getting these serial killer documentaries, uh, the, the Dahmer series where that dude was, he was murdering, raping, and eating people and not necessarily in that order. So and kids. anything's possible. That's that's the point. And there were kids. Possible. <laughs> so, anyway, let's let's get let's cheer. Uh, you you threw the energy know. off history. Yeah, let, bro. Let's get back to the movie itself. We what was y'all favorite musical performance or musical sequence within this movie? Let's pick it, pick things back up before we get into the darkness itself. Um, what's the song that they did in the studio, man? That's always been my favorite. Um uh, when she's like it was a song that in the studio with the band. No, uh, not with the band. Um, in, in the, in Phil the, in the house. Yeah, the Phil Spector song. Yeah. Uh, River Deep Mountain High. Yeah, yeah, River Deep Mountain High. That motherfucker is strong. That was, I was like, man, like that song to me makes me feel like Tina Turner is a star. I, I don't think that like 
I, I like Proud Mary, right? Proud Mary felt like a really good song. You could read, re, like, joke about it, like, whoop, there it is, or like Motown Philly for like boys to men. But that song, River Deep for me, was definitely like, uh, I wish it would rain for Temptations. That's what that was. That was what that was. It was a powerful fucking song that, like, unless you are a fan and you listen to her music, you can then say, you don't know about Tina. You know, let me let me play this for you. Let me teach you something. JT did that for me one time in the car, bro. He was like, bro, let me. Yo, dog, hold on, hold on. I accidentally came across what this. Was that, old, was that Prince? No, was that, that was, Prince? No, that was not Prince. It was somebody else. It was some other jazz singer. But like, he was like, bro, hold on, wait. I was accidentally listening to something on the radio, and I just kept going to this deep rabbit hole for the singer. So if that's the that's what that song was for me. It, it I was like, man, Tina's a fucking star. Dog, I just couldn't get over her when it came to that. But go ahead, man. What's y'all's? What's y'all favorite song? I like Proud Mary. I thought that was a that was a quality lip sync. She did the shaky shaky. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Uh, shaky tail feathers was good. Shaky tail feathers was pretty decent. And uh, I just I was waiting for somebody to bust to just drop on that chord yeah. because mm, that's how it used to be back in the day. Mm-hmm. For me, I think the Rock Me Baby stuff in the beginning, I found that humorous, especially uh, for the ones, for them women who couldn't sing. I thought that was, that was just funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as like the songs for I Can Tina, I'm going to go with, in this order, I think Fool in Love, that was, I like that performance. That's the, that is right before we start seeing the real abuse between Ike and Tina. And it's just like, oh, this is still somewhat of a sweet relationship. It, it, it would change. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it would be Proud Mary. Um, Nutbush City Limits would be it, but the whole scene around that is just uncomfortable. Okay. And then, but then uh, I would say Shake Your Tail Feather. That was, that's just, again, those are just fun. Like I, I enjoy the the funness. And River Deep uh, Mountain High was, was dope too. Let's get into some of these other supporting characters yeah. and let's get back into some of the, um, back, back into some of the uh, more inaccuracies of the movie. Did any of these supporting characters, uh, the non-Icantina folk, did any of them stand out to y'all uh, in any way, shape, or form? Uh, JT, who would you say is the uh, supporting MVP of the movie? I thought the mom was a compelling character. Uh, you know, even when Allie Mae came back, you know, she pretty much let her know you you gonna clear this table. <laughs> like you got a you got a job around this house. And That's of course, yeah, how she snitched on her, you know, because she had a house. I bought her a house, man. So anyway, she was she was really the only other person that really made things happen. Uh-huh. The whole movie really felt like, you know, and then Ike beat the hell out of Tina and Tina left, finally left Ike and had a career of her own. That's really what the whole movie was was felt like. It wasn't too much extra stuff about that. You know, like the Buddhism was in there, but they just kind of, you know, like, why? She, she well, was over there chanting like that. she was chanting like she was trying to choke somebody out with them chants. You know what I mean? It, it was weird. Uh, so I don't know. I didn't really feel like like Tina brought the inner piece to the screen or it helped her get through the day to day. 
And, uh, you know, that was that was the majority of the movie. And, you know, the backup dancer who who took Tina in, she was cool. But like she was also, you know, making Tina uncomfortable, flirting with Ike and all this other stuff. Yeah. Looked like she had been there, done that. You know what I mean? And they really never, never actually told you everything that was going on. They just kind of let you know Ike is, you know, kind of he kind of does whatever he wants to do. He's in them streets. So, yeah, and like I don't know, like the Ike's baby mama was. We had a we had a long talk about Ike's baby mama, how unstable she was, and I was like, we see we don't know what was wrong with with her, but we know that uh, something was wrong with her by the way that she rolled up and dropped them kids off, right? And she what y'all think herself, yeah. oh, Which, right. by the way, didn't happen in real life. That uh, yeah, that actually that actually didn't happen. Uh, she didn't roll up, drop them off. No, he home. drove and she got her. She called Ike and be like, hey, I'm uh, leaving these kids here in St. Louis and I'm gone. And she left and Ike went, got those two kids, brought them back with uh, him and Tina. And we got ourselves a blended family. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh, some. Let's get That's, into that. That is very different than she rolled up drunk on the lawn and dropped them, kicked them kids out the car. That that would hit very different having Ike having to go have that drive, riding in, in the seat with him, Tina going with him or something. What are we gonna do? I don't know, but you know, they my flesh and blood. I'm gonna do instead we get what am I gonna do with two more kids? Like he didn't what care. Two more kids, anime. <laughs> um l- let's get into the um to the to the kids. Um the child that we see, Tina's oldest, Craig. Um, yeah, wasn't Ike's kid in real life. Uh Ike adopted him later on. Um, she, he was the child of a saxophonist by the name of Raymond Hill, and Ike later adopted him. Um, they have one child together, Ike and Tina. It is their child, Ronnie. Um, he's their only child together, and basically, Tina became mom to their other to the kids. Once Ike's brought the kids in, she basically became mom to those kids. It is, yeah, that is also not included because I guess. We don't want it to seem like Tina was in these streets or Tina had, God forbid, another romance that wasn't Ike. So eh, we'll just make all the kids hers and Ike's. Eh, yeah. Why not? Um, oh. Yeah, they they, yeah. they really kind of took a lot of liberty with this film. You know, um, even like the, the aspect of like his best friend inside of that Frost was not a real person. Jackie was not a real person inside of it so uh they they kind of just put a lot of people and the wild thing about that is um is ike turner the baby mama that they talked about that like had left um ike turner and apparently tina did not have a real relationship during that same time and when they showed in the film that the girl shot herself that very same night tina and ike had sex uh, after that she was, was implied. We we he was in a different room. He told her to go upstairs and have some sleep. So that <laughs> shit was still up in the air for me. And to me, it well, when no, no, they no, no, did no. that scene, it didn't even feel like it was the same night. No, because the, of the way they shot it was weird. Yeah, no, no, no. When uh Ike's uh first baby mom, she had shot herself. She got pulled to the hospital. He came back that night. She mm-hmm. was at the right. house and then smashed. Yeah, yeah. And then he that apparently that never even happened at all. That never happened at all. But they made it look like this romantic thing that happened. And so um, they really took a lot of civil liberties for with this motherfucker. And um, 
They tried yeah, to not make it look like a hole in one spot, but then they made it look like a hole in another spot. You know? Yeah, they didn't actually hook up as, you know, more than just platonic yeah. friends until 1960. Um, apparently, a uh, musician was threatening to come in and go after uh, anime. Yeah. And I and she, you know, went in the ice room that squashed that. In fact, they didn't get married until a few years later than than what we saw. They got married in 1962, which was two years after the birth uh their kid together. So, yeah, it is. It they they took liberties um, with this movie to to say the the least. In fact, let's let's go to another, probably the most memed or remembered scene of the movie, uh, Eat the Cake anime. Uh, yeah, that's a scene that actually happened in real life, but it was exaggerated. Uh, Tina said that they ordered some food. Someone brought her some pound cake. She said she ain't want the pound cake. Ike was like, you gonna eat this pound cake? And she ate all the pound cake, a whole pound cake, while he watched. So it's not quite as extreme, but goddamn, imagine just scarfing down a whole pound cake just in one sitting while some that's like that scene in uh matilda when the, when uh miss trunchbow makes that makes that boy <laughs> eat that chocolate cake so yeah. that's fucked up yeah it's just, um yeah. that um that scene he basically was he did tell her like eat the cake but it was a cake that they accident accidentally ordered and it was not even a full fucking cake like for real for no, real he he ordered. He was just like, "Hey, uh, give me that cake." He was celeb because it was celebration because uh, I can Tina Turner review going on tour with the World of Stones, yeah. which also the year that they this, that scene didn't happen. Um, yeah, it that that didn't happen. Uh, they toured with the Rolling Stones twice in '66 and in '69, but in '68 they did not because the Rolling Stones did not tour that whole oh, year. Yeah. And, so it was just like, eh, well, let, let, let's make some more shit up. Um, also, since we're, you know, just telling people myths, uh, the song Proud Mary. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. No, <laughs> song Proud Mary was originally written by the man Creedence Clearwater Revival and released in 1969. The scene where Proud Mary is being sung in the movie was in 1968. Ike and Tina didn't record their version until the until uh, 19 until 1971. So, yeah, that is. They again just more inaccuracies, and Tina's just like, "Hey, y'all changed kind of a lot." But let's give the movie try and give the movie some more credit. JT, what would you say is the the standout scene of the movie, or one scene where you're like, "Okay, I can, I can, I, I dig this scene," or "I dig the direction of this scene." I thought that was the scene where we first meet Ike, and uh, uh, Tina decides she's gonna go sing. That was uh that was very interesting and kind of well done and the way they were running the mic all over. And then the next time she go back to the club, she's ready. She got, you know, done stole the good dress. You know what I'm saying? Make sure she got spotted and everything. I thought that was a really cool sequence. And uh, I thought it, it really kind of got her her stage drive well explained. So I, I rather like that. One. Gotcha. History. What about you? Um, I don't know, man. Everything goes back into. <sighs> I feel like I didn't really start to like like this movie until that River Deep Mountain High. I think that that was just that alleviated enough pain from the scene to actually just be like, 
<laughs> All right, I can fuck with this movie for a little bit. Um, it was the intermission that was needed. So I think I want to say that. Um, because yeah. um, I think the only plague about if me watching this movie now versus when I was a fucking kid it is the fact of like me watching this movie now, I'm kind of like, all right, I get how the sauce is made, unfortunately. And so before watching this actual film. So realistically, when I'm watching this film now, I'm like, well, we know Tina had a baby. She was fucking some people during that time. Uh, it sucked the idea that her own mom and her sister didn't even remember how she looked. And she was able to walk past them down the street, almost <laughs> like it was not Don't nothing. recognize your own kin. Don't even recognize your own family. Yeah. So it just felt like it was a trauma porn throughout the whole time. Uh, but then when River Deep came in, I was like, you know what River Deep felt like? It felt like when... Um, you remember uh, Jamie Foxx when he did Ray and the first time that he did Georgia, Georgia on my mind. That's what it was. It was like that that character had some type of clarity. You didn't need any more explanation on who that person is and who that person eventually is going to become. That scene by itself actually showed like that she was going to be a star and Ike Turner just hated it. And um, the best part that about that, I think it came right after that. It was when they did the Proud Mary scene and you seen um, she lifts up Ike's hands and he was still in the dark where the spotlight was on her. And it was like, uh, they kept saying, Tina, Tina, you seen kind of like Ike was like that. And he just kind of faded into darkness while she was still in the light. So those, uh, that felt, like those were the films that kind of was like, I could fuck with this movie because they had moments in time where it was very art done artfully instead of doing it with the purpose of hating, <laughs> hating the fucking characters I'll themselves. tell you what though, those moments were not done via the screenplay. Nope. <laughs> and you want to know why? Because the screenplayer, the person who, the woman who wrote the screenplay for this movie also did Glitter. Yes. Ooh. So I tell you what, this movie that I, I, I it makes sense absolutely, absolutely was falling asleep because this dialogue is worthless. Yes, we don't we don't get a lot of information. All we get is Ike is a liar and like to have his way, and he don't like Tina getting more famous than he is. Yes, but there's not really much else to the relationship apart from that. And it's not done via dialogue. The dialogue in this movie sucks. It is barely passable. And it is honestly the biggest drag on this whole film is that most of this, you could, you could just give me a summary and not ha actually have any dialogue. You could do this with storyboards better. You know what I'm saying? It, this shit was not a, an interesting movie to watch these people have conversations. Yes. I didn't feel like I was in the room with them when it really happened. Yes. Uh, you mean, so it, it, it makes you so ask a question. Talk. Like, for example, like um, there was in the middle of the movie when they showed them getting married or hitched in Mexico. Right. What made anime want to stay with him longer? Because he drove off without her in the middle of the fucking like after taking her out of the freaking hospital. Yes. After taking her out of the hospital, which also didn't happen. Yes. The f that, that was that. Oh, my God. Why yeah, would she uh, throw this mess? She got, why would they throw that in the, why would they put that in there? Yeah, unfortunately, you can even justify like after he raped her in the studio. Like you already you get it. She was Which like also didn't happen. Yeah, that did not happen. Both her and Ike had admitted that that never happened. Ike told her even said that that didn't happen. So um 
but like the the aspect of it is that like at least you can even give that a pass okay she stayed with him because of the fact that she was years in this is this is a nurtured relationship of like domestic violence so she obviously she's probably going to stay with him a little bit longer but like the way that the film was going back into what jt said you really didn't have no aspect of time and how long they've been together so it just seemed like she was just like a one night sling and they probably been doing this for maybe about a year at the time and then they just got married so I think that that's actually when I wrote that question is when when they got married is the fact that would this movie be about the R. Kelly and Leah thing? So, uh, so we don't have no aspect of time. We don't have no grasp of who the characters fucking are at this time. So it looked like the person definitely from Glitter took some liberties just making John Wick a fucking domestic violence in a, in a film. Yeah, to give clarity on the whole sneaking around the hospital thing, um, Hike was not present for the birth. Um, while she was recuperating, she gave birth and was recuperating in the hospital, you know, like like you do after the birth of a child. Uh, Ike hired another woman to play Tina on stage while she was recuperating. Uh, turns out she was a prostitute. Her and a woman, uh, prostitute and Tina, got into a fight, and Tina was just like, That is a, way better. That is a way better, better story. story. Up, However, Ike Turner wrote in his book, uh, Taking Back My Name, that he was unaware that the woman was a prostitute. Um, he was he, he was just not aware of that. So, yeah, that is. And again, two years later, they were they were married. But, yeah, I would rather have seen Ike with the prostitute. But let him explain you know, that away. Wait, Jamel, before you walk, because this is going to work really well with this next part. What happened to animate to make her commit suicide? Can you do you have that written down as a note? What made I her commit suicide? So one, um, so the, in the film, there's a scene where she had just got raped. They showed the next scene is that she was going to go perform. They had a gig that night. All of a sudden, she is drawn on her face and everybody realized that she is dehydrated and some other shit is happening. So she uh, because she had took the two, uh, too many sleeping pills. So that, that really happened. She did take sleeping pills right before the gig, but it wasn't because of the fact that she raped, uh, uh, she was uh, raped by him. It's because of the fact that the man had three women living in the fucking house. Guess what their names were? And, 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 because they all spit hot fire. One of them was even fucking pregnant. All of them was named Anne. That's what fucking bro. Tell me that's not a reason why you put that in the fucking film. Put that in the that, film. That, that that is way crazier than whatever we got. All we got was and Ike started doing coke and started beating him. That's all, all it skipped right to. Yeah, he's, he's, this is so much more nuance and better story in in the freaking real history. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. that's why you got to pick up a book though. Yeah, yeah all, all you talk true. to me. Uh, also. Uh, Cena's, uh, <laughs> Tina's caught her Cena. What the fuck? Uh, Tina's suicide attempt was in 1968, not 1974, mm-hmm. as depicted in the movie. And I imagine that probably upset her too, because that's something that people that you probably uh, remember. So yes. yeah, um, yeah, we've spent a lot of time in this movie. Be like, hey, uh, yeah, this didn't happen, or this was inaccurate because. Eh, Musical biopics, that's the danger of them is because it's very easy to it's very easy to just get a lot of stuff wrong. Like in Ray, he actually didn't watch 
watch his brother drown. Like, it's just like, wow, why would you make this fucked up detail up about my life? Mm -hmm. My life is already wild enough as is. But one last uh, little bit of history and one last just, hey, that didn't happen. So uh, in the movie uh, we get in 1960, there is a a marquee for a performance where Ike, Ike and Tina are on with Otis Redding and Martha and the Vandellas. In reality, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas were known as the Delphi's until 1961, and Otis Redden didn't release his first solo single until 1962. So, even again, that's a little lie, but it's just like, why lie about that? So, he never pulled a gun out on her. That's another thing. They ended the scene with a lie. Yeah, that that also did not happen. The whole thing about when uh when Ike told Tina, if you didn't make it, I'll kill you. Apparently, that also didn't happen. Now, Ike, had, Ike did say that he scolded Tina, you know, to kind of motivate her to fight for her life, but that didn't happen. Now, Tina did say uh, she, you know, her, she was afraid that Ike would, she was so afraid that Ike would, of Ike, that she survived. That, that, that motivated her to survive. But it's just like, huh. They all, they didn't need to make that up. So, uh, it before we get into the ratings and before we go on to our next movie, uh, do got to give some just another award shout out. Um, both Lawrence Fishburne and Angela Bassett, regardless of the screenplay that they were given, they did do very good jobs in their performances, so good. in my opinion. So good, and they were rewarded with nominations for the Academy Awards for Best Actor and Best Best Actress. Lawrence Fishburne. There was some scuttlebutt around this for him to be to submit for best supporting actor, which you know he he didn't want to do. They did it for best actor, so I respect that. Of course, NAACP Image Awards. The movie was nominated for quite a few. Angela Bassett won for uh, best leading actress. The movie was a hit, and it did revive uh, a lot of interest in Tina Turner music. Movie was made on a budget of fifteen million, made sixty one million at the box office, and of course, has gone on to be in black pop culture for years. I don't know if that's the best thing because I remember distinctly one horrible uh, usage of this movie. It was in an episode of Martin on a Halloween episode where Martin dresses Ike Turner and, and Tina dresses Tina Turner. And it's just like, wow. Imagine if you're Tina Turner and you actually enjoy the Martin program and it's just like, ooh, this is a Halloween special. And you see Martin as Ike, you see Gina as Tina, and they make that joke. It's like, wow, that's kind of fucked up. Also, Tyler Perry, maybe eh, may, maybe he shouldn't have made any references to this either. But yeah. Before, before so, we go to rate, can I ask you a question? Um, sure. the scene where he pulled, uh, he's supposed to have pulled a gun out. I feel like it would have been a better movie if it would have been a metaphorical aspect of it. So you would have seen him pull out the gun and talk about the killer uh, aspect of it. Then you see her say this whole dialogue, baby, basically what you're going to do to me. And then she walks downstairs. Do you think that that film would have been better if she just thought that she would have have seen him down there? And then while she was walking downstairs, she looks back up. He actually wasn't there the whole time. And it would have been almost kind of like he was a shadow. He was just in her head and he was and she was free. I'm in, the, I'm yeah, in here and I'm in here. Yeah. Right. It literally wasn't there. Yeah. And now he's Maybe. not. I think she's that, about to go sing this song. Yeah, yeah that would be dope. That would have been a better. Yeah. That would have been a. I felt like that would have been a better scene. If you want to use that scene, just use it in a way because she always thought of him as 
if if that character thought that he was always going to kill her. I mean, her, we lying already, so we might as yeah, well. Yeah, if you thought that this character was, this person was always going to kill you, and the gun would have been justified, right? Uh, but then walking down the stairs, so you see that he's not there. He was just actually just just a shadow in her, just her mind. That's the thing yeah, that, that was just lingering. Been, that would have been that a, would have shown some good freedom. Mm-hmm. Yes, <sighs> that would have been creative and artistic. So yeah, that didn't happen. So JT, <laughs> what say you? What is your rating for this movie? Is you selected this movie for us mm-hmm. this month? We appreciate it. It was a an interesting trip down memory lane. What say you? What's your final thoughts and what's your rating for this movie? This movie was uh, absolute sleeper, but the exception of the two leading actors was was the saving grace to make it a slumper. Okay. They opened my eyes and they were great every time they were on film. Now, as far as uh, don't we have to like rate their toxicity? Yeah. Yeah. This, on a scale this, of this was, one to let's see if we can come up with a good cut. Well, let's on a do scale of one to five, with a five being uh, just the most beautiful black love that's been married for 70 years. They grow old together and it's beautiful. And a one being Blueface and Krishan, those two people <laughs> who apparently their relationship is less fight all the time physically. Uh, what say you? Where, where are they at on this scale? There must be a two if they they're not fighting all the time, but they fighting throughout the years. So that that ain't much better. So yeah, that, that, that is that is some toxic crap. All right, a two. I'd say a two is about a Bobby and Whitney. Hmm. Seem about right. I, I, would I be? I, I feel like there was a little bit more love between those two versus what they showed in this okay, film. Okay, yeah, you know what? <laughs> the love of cocaine. Yeah, they both love loved cocaine. cocaine. That was a difference. They, 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 were able, they were actually also able to cocaine. do an interview and go into public a little bit more. Little, you know what? Bobby and Whitney, I'd say they'd be a three. They'd be, be a three. three. That's all. That's like they can't be. You can't have them together. They walked the um, line very thin. <laughs> very, ooh, very fucking uh, thin. Mike Tyson and Robin Givens. Ooh, but that yeah, would be a two. That would be a two. Yeah. That'd be a two. Um, shit. A four. I'd say Barack and Michelle. They can be a four. And then, of course, the ultimate love is Ooh. your grand. Uh, just a beautiful, just your not your grandparent. Just necessarily beautiful <laughs> black love, where you just see two old black people. They've been together for seventy years. They've been through some shit. They've seen black president. They've seen so much, and it's just wonderful and beautiful. That's the ultimate fantasy for black for for love. So that's a five. Barack and Michelle is just right beneath that. Damn. All right, I guess I accept these not, terms. I, they're po- I, Barack and Michelle. That's a pop. That's positive. That's no, but you said a four. I don't. I don't know. I feel like uh, Barack Obama and Michelle is usually like couples' goals. That's usually what people want. Yeah. See, the don't problem operate. is the people who got those as couples' goals, they're on twos. Yeah, <sighs> they they're in that two and one space. <laughs> but we know it gets better. All right, man. I, I want to know. Y'all can tell me later like about why it's so bad. So we did so, it like two, three years ago. It would be Will and Jada probably could have been on here, but we know uh, different now. Yeah, that's, History, that's about, some toxic stuff, you? though. Yeah. That's what that's that's hovering around the, 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 the two and the one territory. Uh, all right. You know what? Wait, 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 wait. I got a different idea. So instead of we'll say Barack and Michelle, that's positive love. Yeah. We're gonna do all toxic one from. The least toxic is a five to the most toxic. That'd be a one. We're going to go in the descendant scale. So, again, uh, number one, Blueface and Krishan. Then we got Mike and Robin Givens. Then Bobby and Whitney. 
Then we have Will and Jada, and then finally <laughs> at a f- what you got old Will and Jada? What the what the hell are you talking? God damn, we've got Will, Bro, Will and hey, Jada. Let me just do my record. They they be a five. So what say you? Um, so for the movie itself, uh, I feel like even though I had those like glimpse, little glimpse of of hope sometimes and like like i said in those two scenes i felt like it did not do enough to save the film so for me it's a dumpster i don't feel like it did enough i i feel like i want i would love to give it the courtesy like push i i've done the courtesy push but i felt like this movie was ultimately trauma porn um and one scene for sure jumps out to me as trauma dumping and summarizing this whole film is the scene between anime and Jackie, when they were sitting there mimicking fucking Ike Turner, and then anime could not handle the fact of making fun of, of Ike Turner because it brought so much trauma. It's trauma dumping, trauma dumping, trauma dumping. You wanted this person, uh, this character, to just fucking suffer for two hours. And she didn't. Yeah. And that's all it was. That was so back nice. It, this was this was Saul with not nearly as much blood and gore in a lot of ways. You 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 either choose <laughs> to sing the song and eat the cake anime or you die. And Frost said everything that we believed in when that motherfucking seed happened. He said, God, please, anime, eat the cake, please. <laughs> he he begged everybody else were watching the victim and just being like, stop suffering. Frost also could have stepped up and like, hey, you, my stop. nigga, she, he slapped two women <laughs> the fuck out in this wreck. You could have did something, Frost. Yeah. Che McBride, I'm, I'm But that's not a real person. That's So if you, you gotta admit that it's a real person. So you gotta admit that that person, Frost, would have had to be Thor and that's Thanos' head rolling on the fucking table eventually. So and he was a and Ike was on some coke and people people get crazy on coke. So yeah. maybe maybe it was best that he didn't do do anything. But for me, I'm along the same lines as JT. The lead this movie was in heavy rotation in my house as a kid. And like on surface, it's the song. Like the songs carry the movie. The performances of Lawrence Fishburne and Angela Bassett carry the movie. But now as an adult, now that I'm a little more uh, seasoned in life, I can't I can't give it any higher than a sleeper. I think this movie is and I'm being generous because of the performances of Fishburne and, and Angela Bassett. But they were so yeah, good, it, though. Like they were really good. Um, and Lawrence Fishburne, basically, he got nothing to work on because um, Ike Turner obviously was just not welcomed on the set. He visited the set once. And Ike Turner, you know, was just like, hey, Lawrence Fishburne, he at the very least, I think Ike Turner understood like, all right, this it ain't, it ain't like Lawrence Fishburne is out here trying to blaspheme me. He got the he said he got the walk down from Ike Turner. He got a few mannerisms and that's about it because Ike was not involved at all in the production of the movie. But yeah, this movie, it's it's a rough watch now and it is a hell of a way to kick off the end of our toxic romance month. 
Man, um, this was a pretty interesting podcast. Thanks a lot for very much uh, listening to us. Make sure you check out that uh, that link for Mech Arena. Try it out. See how it goes, man. Um, and definitely message us. Let us know that you played it, and we will play it with you via mobile. I will definitely say this is a better game on mobile. It's a fantastic game mobile-wise. Uh, with that, also, uh, you can find us on Discord. Twitch, Twitter, not Twitch, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, as well as TikTok and YouTube. J- join our YouTube. We are actually on our actual sub goal right now. And we are on a goal actually as well on our podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your audio acoustical pleasures from. Now, with that, man, we've had a long week, man, and we've been treading along with these toxic guys relationships. But sometimes we need our Jimmy the Cricket. We need our actual voice of reason to be able to actually put us back on a straight and narrow and make us feel positive when all of those dark skies are starting to get cloudy and making lots of thunderstorm sounds outside. With that, we turn to the voice of reason. JT, what's this week's voice of reason? This week, the voice is talking to me about love. You know, we talking about toxic love and what we don't want to see. Now, both of our movies today had a lot to do with love. We see in what's love got to do with it. Tina Turner has been abused and she asks herself, what does love have to do with life? It's just a secondhand emotion, right? Wrong. I'm here to let you know today, according to 1 John 4, 8, God is love. It says, those who do not know love do not know God because God is love. So if you really want to bring some God into your situation, you got to spread the love. In Fences, we saw a man who tried to build a fence between the world and himself so he didn't have to let nobody in and be vulnerable. How much different would his life have been if he just showed love to everybody who actually meant something to him? And I tell you what, when you show love to people, that's when they can finally get a breakthrough to see God. And people need it. When you are feeling all alone, you need to reach out to somebody else and trust that their love for you is going to come through. And more often than not, when you reach your hand out, somebody else will take it. Thanks for watching, y'all. Awesome. And don't forget, man, check out that actual number right on our, uh, our chat. It's 1-800-799-SAFE for the domestic violence. Our text start to 888-788. Uh, that's again, 888-788. If you're going through domestic violence. Don't start no shit, won't be no shit. Oh, God, Jesus. In this goddamn stream. In this fucking stream.